Latina. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, part 37 of Rock Dinosaurs of the 80s. To the sound of with me, as always, I call him Babel O'Reilly, oh. Times Pop Music critic Sean Bailey. <laughs> You've been so mean to me this week. Maybe so you deserved mean. it. <laughs> No, it's a 2012 supposed to be all year. I, I want to get to the good news, though. It's not just Babel O'Reilly here today. We also have the Ox. <laughs> Time sports columnist Tom Jones. Hi, hey, fellas. Hey, you've been mean to me too. You guys <laughs> well, you like do, you up do on deserve it. it. I yeah. don't deserve anything. Well, we love Jonesy. Every time Jonesy is on the show, um, women swoon. Women, st- I, they literally swoon. The mercies of the world love you. Actually, I'm sorry. That the correct word is spoon. <laughs> spoon. Yeah, definitely PG rated. But uh, Jonesy has been clamoring clawing to get back on the show again and we thought today would be a perfect time right, for it. Right. This is the of course the series that we've been doing that never seems to end where we honor bands from previous decades who still make uh, enormous contributions to the 80s. Today we'll discuss such groups as the OJs, <laughs> Bill Haley and the Comet and of course the Bugaloos. The Bugaloos, the Bugaloos, we're in the air and everywhere flying high, flying loose, flying free as a summer no. So we've, we've, we've covered this a lot. We've, this is literally, I think, episode number four of this series. I don't even ah, know anymore. On. We got like eight more parts. Too. We used to, uh, we're we're going to start digging deep here. Okay, some of these bands, you know, may not quite live up to some of the previous uh, uh, honorees, as we shall call them. Right. But this first one does, and that's why we brought in Jonesy because right. he's a ringer for this band, and uh, I can't wait to hear what smart. And smart-ass things he has to say. Yeah, so without any further ado, let the rock dinosaur suckling begin. I can't be held responsible for flown behavior. I lost all contact with my only savior. No one locked me out because I failed to phone up. I can't bear to live forever like a Ah, yes, The Who. Take it away, Jonesy. I saw The Who and their final, what was supposed to be their final tour. 
which was in 1981-82. Saw them at the, at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena just a few weeks before they played at Maple Leaf Gardens, which was supposed to be their final concert ever. Of course, they've had 18 reunions since it's then. It's really funny. Yeah. But that was the final tour, and I got to it. I, it was one of the best shows I ever saw. Daltrey, unbelievable. Really? Yeah. It yeah. was simulcast. HBO recorded the Maple Leaf Garden show. Uh, I don't know if they recorded They may have actually broadcast no, it live. they did, yes. And I taped it. For the longest time, I had that you know in my vcr collection and um i accidentally VCR. taped over it uh, i actually taped over it uh, the movie zapped <laughs> no, you did did you really yeah, yeah you know what's really funny is that i went to school to syracuse uh from 1988 to 1992 and i, I think in 88 or 89 they had another farewell tour yes. didn't they yes where they said no this is it and i remember they broadcast on the radio and i taped that and Townsend did like the twenty minute farewell about this is it the last yeah, one yeah. and now they're, and they're they're still going strong. But the thing I loved about that concert is I went to that concert and I knew the Who from the seventies and I had a brother who's ten years older than I am so I listened and I heard songs like Bob O'Reilly and Won't Get Fooled Again. I knew their big hits but I didn't know there was one of those bands that wasn't until the eighties that I went back and sort of revisited right, right. the See. history of that career and then realized now that I think it's one of the greatest it, bands of all time. It was that farewell concert that was my first real time I had ever seen them. I mean aside from maybe one or two hits and you started hearing the uh well you know not not even not won't get full again but uh just like uh can't explain right i mean i think that was the first time i ever heard that song right right so so the idea was of course the early 80s come and they decide they're not going to tour anymore and sean correct me if i'm wrong because you're the pop music critic here um allegedly it was because of uh townsend's uh problems right he had drug problems and they basically said look we're not touring anymore until he gets cleaned up Really, it wasn't the tinnitus. The tinnitus hadn't kicked in yet. <laughs> I want to ask Jonesy real quick. What were your the two- heroin was stopping the tinnitus? <laughs> really, was was uh, it was, was a heroin issue? Townsend heroin? Yeah, what, he was yeah. a big hophead. Yeah, Although well, I, I, I didn't know that actually. Yeah, and I think I think later in the eighties, and he actually put out a solo album in the eighties uh, called White City, which I think is one of the greatest albums ever. Does made. it have slit skirts? That's, no, that's uh, the one. It's the, it's the one sleep. after slit skirts. That's Chinese. Um, uh, all the best all cowboys have, have Chinese, Chinese eyes. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but White City, which was a lot of it was was written towards apartheid and that sort of thing, but a tremendous album. And, and if you ever have a chance to pick it up, it's really yeah. good. Real quick, what were your two favorite moments from that farewell show you saw in person? Uh, I think, well, I won't get fooled again, just, you know, and watching Daltrey and then... Uh, and The Howl. Yeah, the, the howl, howl at yeah. the end of yeah, he can still do it. They, right. I mean, they, yeah, everyone waits for it. Ah, right, you know. right, and uh, and who are you? He, he, Roger Daltrey does this thing where he's like, uh, he's almost on speed, and he's he's running in place, and he does, and they sing "Who Are You" for like seven minutes or whatever, yeah, and he awesome. never stops. Yeah, it is. It's one of those like marathon concert experiences. Um, let me ask you this: If Keith Moon hadn't died in was it seventy eight or seventy nine? Do you, would, would things have gone differently for the Who in the eighties? Well, it might have uh, uh, dictated what sort of music they would do, right? Because if we look at the output, output from the eighties, you better you bet, uh, Eminence Front. I mean, they're not. Are they really strong percussively? I mean, weren't they kind of writing around not I having? Thought a Kenny, I thought drummer? Kenny Jones was a fine drummer. I understand he didn't quite mesh with the band the way that Keith did. I mean, Keith was a character. Kenny was a drummer. Well, I defer to Jonesy. Like, how much did Keith Moon dictate content? In well, the I think he dictate content because obviously him and him and Entwistle were sort of on the same page as, as sort of the, the rhythm, rhythm section, section right? Yeah. Right. But I also think that that Moon and Townsend were. I think Townsend grew up after Moon 
passed away. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing because he wrote you know some of his greatest songs, such as My Generation yeah. and that sort of thing, were written, I think, along with Keith Moon, or at least with Keith Moon having a big influence on his life. I think you start to see it later in Townsend's solo stuff. He's sort of matured. He's sort of, Slit Skirts is actually a song where it's actually about growing up a little bit. And I think a lot of that came about because Keith Moon uh, passed away. So I think it ended the who, but I think it, it sort of... Uh, it sort of matured Townsend to do some great solo stuff. And ironically, what kind of what kind of brings the Who back to life is Live Aid, because they had uh, they had called it quits in eighty one after that tour, and uh, Live Aid comes around, and Bob Geldof begs them for an on stage reunion, which they do from Wembley Stadium. So they get back together. It brings back the Who. They would they would they would kind of like springboard off that. Where were they in that lineup? Were they towards the end? No, they were in the middle of the day. Yeah, they were in the middle of the day. You know, like three. You and think Live Aid brings everybody back? That killed Duran Duran. Well, well but, but I think oh. what it did. I think what, what it did. did was, it? We're still talking about Duran no, but no, but Duran Duran. That was the last show with the original lineup for for fifteen seventeen years. That that show, you know, Live Aid was pretty much the end of Duran Duran, the first phase of him. It, now you could go to, to the record store or, or a place that sells DVDs and get almost any concert you want to see, any band you want to see in concert. I think in, in the mid-80s, it still was unusual to see a, a, a rock concert on television. And that's where we, I think that's where The Who really sort of gained its its attraction to people again you realize what a great live band this yeah, was yeah dynamic i mean the thing about the who is you know it's fun when you go to a concert and yeah you're expecting hits but with these um legendary bands you're also expecting all the little nooks and crannies that you know they become so so iconic right mm-hmm. so you know that um you won't get fooled again. The howl, yeah. you know, everyone's waiting for the howl, and and the windmill, Townsend windmilling, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. will he destroy a guitar? Where you know all these little things, not just you know the mannerisms and stuff like that. Well, and I even noticed, and not to not to get out of the eighties, but it, with the the concert for nine eleven, you know, the the more I thought the Who was by far the best band. That night, right, and again, it re- it reminded me of how great they were live. But I think live, I think you're right. I think Live Aid certainly made people of my generation, people who were a little bit who missed out basically on on the early who saying, "Wow, this is really a, yeah. a great." They thing. were always such a great live act, yeah. You know, and 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 that was what I think made that that farewell uh, concert from Maple Leaf Gardens and and Live Aid so great. When you saw them, especially compared to how you saw the Rolling Stones in that era. Who were, who were not a strong act live in the, the 80s. The Stones, in the, for a good chunk of the 80s, the Stones were pretty beat up. Keith was really messed up. Jagger's Jaggerness was getting to his head. But then you saw the Stones yeah, towards the end with like the Steel Wheels tour kind of uh, right. sober up and get back together. But Spearsy, you know, Jonesy is our, um, our, our professor emeritus of The Who, but you're a huge Who fan as well. And you love the 1981 album Face Dances. Why do you love that so much? I don't know. It's one of those albums that... Um God, you know what's really funny is is you listen to it now, and there's really only um, one hit off of it, one true hit, which was "You Better You Bet," which only hit number one on the rock charts, not the pop charts. But isn't another Tricky Day on there? Yeah, but it wasn't a huge hit. It, a lot of these were AR AOR hits, or and they became music videos, uh, which is just them st- on stage performing. But they weren't huge hits. In fact, the Who, who only had two albums in the '80s: uh, "Face Dances '81" and "It's Hard '82." Um, "Face Dances" went platinum. It's hard went gold. Um, it's hard had three hits though. Athena was the biggest one. Nobody remembers that song. What really? a what an underrated who song. Bigger than Eminence Front. I love that song. Can you name the third hit 
off of its heart? Uh, I cannot name that. I'll give you a hint. It's the title track. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's good. That's a good little twist. Those three around. songs would be the, the only three hits, and they weren't huge hits. Athena was the big one, number three, and then You Better You Bet. Somebody sing one. Athena right now. Can you play a little for the, for the masses? Sure. Oh my god, yeah, that was a huge hit. Great song. I love that song. It doesn't feel like it belongs on that album. It's though. like a Boz Skaggs song, though. I don't even know, think I knew the who Ow. did it. It feels like a who <laughs> Skaggs. song. Skaggs. No. Skaggs, I say. <sighs> Let's see if you Nino. can. Nino, when are we doing our Boz Skaggs show? Cricket, cricket. I'll just wait outside while you guys finish up here. Speaking of finish up, here's the next band on this week's Rock Dino list. Chicago. You know, Chicago really came alive at Live Aid. Didn't play Live Aid. <laughs> I'm so weird in a way, in a way. <laughs> what, that they didn't? Yeah. Chicago, you probably hate Chicago Jones. No, I actually, I actually like Chicago very much, and I'll tell you why. It's because uh, my son plays trumpet. Uh, he's a really good trumpet player, and obviously Chicago huge in, in horns and uh, a brass section. And uh, my son would listen to that when he was younger and, and talk about how, how great this band was. My parents were huge uh, Chicago fans, John and Mary Daly. The, the Terry Kath, Terry Kath, right? Uh, those the early days of Chicago with, I mean, they were pretty like proggy a bit. I mean, they, they took some chances, all the instrumentation and the harmonizing and the brass. But then the Chicago that my parents listened to was very, very different from the Chicago that was led by Peter Cetera right. in the you, 80s. They listened to Saturday in the Park, and you're listening to right, Stay right. in the uh, 20, Night. 25 or 6 to 4, which is actually a really great rock oh, song. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and along comes a spizzy, you know? Bam, bam, bam. Um, Chicago 17. But then there was that chocolate album, the chocolate bar one, which had... Um, Oh my God! I just blank the first, uh, the first big Peter Cetera album, like the first big. Be- oh, if if you leave me now, and then they, if you leave me now, just everything changed. You know, they became this very ballad driven, but then they probably reached the height of their popularity. Yeah, they, the I think they were much popular. At least commercial, in the 80s. Yeah. commercial, critically probably not. No, and I think a lot of people who really oh, are in, no. into music, yeah. yeah, look back at those Saturday and twenty five and twenty five or six to four, and yeah. think that yeah. that's. You know, you're right that this was, they were almost like blood, sweat, and tears, but even better, I thought, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, I enough, definitely <laughs> like show better than blood, sweat, and tears. Oddly enough, this is actually one of the few times we do Rock Dinosaurs where, where one of us has interviewed someone in each one of these three bands today. So, That's true. Um, Daily, you interviewed Roger and Pete, at least via email for no, Pete. Uh, Pete Townsend was a, yeah, I, I, they were offering me a Pete Townsend interview a few years back, and they said, only do it via email, and I hate that. Yeah. Spears, you know, I rail against hell all the time. But so I asked Pete these questions that were just, each question had like 
10 questions in each. And it was really written in this kind of fever dream style. And he wrote back this great stuff that I kind of excerpted, you know, but like, he's like, oh, it's 3 a.m. on a bus right now. All the guys are asleep. I'm writing this. And it was really cool. Yeah. And then I talked to Daltrey for about 10 minutes. And he was the surliest bastard in the world, Roger really? Daltrey. Yeah. And he was, he was bemoaning the loss of not album art, but now CD art as we all went digital. And he's like, I can't read the bloody words. And like, he was like, <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he was crazy. He was just pissed off. Well, but it was who awesome. interviewed somebody from Chicago? We did. We interviewed Robert Lamb. Okay. And it, it was fine until I asked him something about how it must be. I, I inferred that he probably walks down the street sometimes. And I always said Chicago felt like a faceless band, you know, where they didn't have the looks that everybody right. would recognize. And so I kind of inferred that sometimes maybe he probably walks down the street and people don't know who he is. And he was just kind of like, <laughs> you know, just kind of really ruffled his feathers and came back with, you know, believe it or not, Steve, you know, some people do recognize me and yeah. ask me for my autograph. And I'm like, yeah. No, we don't believe that. Yeah, Robert Lamb. I don't believe that. In fact, I'm not even sure if this is Robert Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> How can Larry we tell? Larry Lamb. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it, was, it was fun. I mean, it's, it's one of those bands that, so Peter Cetera leaves. Um, and they go on and they record one more number one hit in the 80s. Can anyone name Chicago's number one hit after Peter Cetera left the band? Really? They only had... So you're the inspiration wasn't the number one hit? No. Hard to Say I'm Sorry is the number one hit. And they had one other number one hit in the 80s. What uh, was it? Uh, oh, God. Was it, I don't want to live without your love? Is it that one? It's Look Away. Oh, God, that <laughs> Look Away is the biggest piece of crap ever. When you see me walking by. Right? Yep. I can keep going if you want, Jonesy. No, that's quite God, all right. You're furious. You're, you're, you're you know, Henley there is covered in my Hard to say. Off. I'm sorry. They, when they played it on the radio, they always cut off like the last yeah, minute, yeah. which is the best part of that song. No, it's terrible. The last minute. Of it's hard awful. It's like it's when like we get they're gonna jump in the. It's air. like the soundtrack from Hardcastle. No, and it's awesome. <laughs> The you horns, know what I like you from? And horns, it actually beckons back yeah. to the early. See, you got the to the seventies. Let me thing. ask Jonesy this: Did you have you ever seen the movie um, Summer Lovers? Summer Lovers, yeah, with Daryl Hannah and, yeah. and Peter Gallagher, and they yeah. play that song at the end. Yeah, oh, I just start to well up, and then they, when they get to the very ending of Hard to Say I'm Sorry, where it picks up and they all jump off the cliff naked. Oh yeah, are, are they, they naked when they jump? But you off know, the cliff? you know what? My favorite Daryl Hannah he last them. movie scene is is. Uh, the movie Reckless with oh, Aiden Quinn, yeah. and they played Bob Seger's um, "What's that? Take Me Away" or, or I think yeah. "Roll Me Away." Roll Me Away. Yeah, and they're riding off on a motorcycle through the streets of Pittsburgh because I grew up in Pittsburgh. Right, but yeah. that's the best. That's, a, that's such a there. good movie. And it, the kids in America scene in the pool. Oh, holy crap! You know what, Jonesy? Is uh, uh, the obvious uh, person take over this podcast? <laughs> no, exactly. But no, he is a reason why we have to bring back our states in the '80s. Because how awesome would Jonesy be for Pittsburgh in the '80s or uh, Pennsylvania in the '80s? Oh yeah, that'd be easy. See, look at look at the the, the, the oh, passion. Oh, look at him. Oh yeah, all the right moves. See, reckless. you know, we got all these people. Why are you so angry? <laughs> uh, I'm furious because you guys are mean to me. I feel like I got to fight back. <laughs> no, but all these people are like, we hate Sean's idea about states in the '80s. But you could have Jonesy. We'd probably win podcast awards if they even had them for Pennsylvania in the 80s. If you think you're mad now, <laughs> wait till you hear the last band on today's Rock Dino list. Hey, 
ladies and gentlemen, the monkeys. Hey, hey. No, actually, I grew up a pretty big monkeys fan because the show would run on uh, yeah, like UHF, yeah, yeah. you know, and they ch- and then I would be do like skits. Like you think I'm manic, really? Now it's because I, I was raised on all those crazy monkeys skits, which are ripped off from a Hard Day's Night and the Beatles and stuff like that. But they're so. But we funny. didn't know that at the time. Yeah, right. I didn't know we it. didn't know that. Yeah. Beatles, Schmeedles, bring it's me like- the last clay train to Clarksdale or Clarksville. No, it's it? funny. It's like Clarksdale. I, 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 <laughs> That's a cover song. Didn't fare as well. I recently was goofing around on YouTube and I came across a Susanna Hoff's version with Matthew Sweet doing different drum, which was the old Stone Ponies, oh, Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Was was written by Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. So I, I also went on. I found Michael Nesmith doing a version of different drum, and I never heard him do it. I thought oh, this is going to be really cool. And he did a total clown version of it, and almost like a like a lounge singer type of version yeah. and I was really disappointed and it was from like the Monkees TV show and people were it was supposed to be a joke and I was really disappointed yeah <laughs> now, now Monkees actually became big in the 80s because they hit like an anniversary I think it was the 20th or 25th anniversary and they toured in 1986 and they came to Tampa Bay and they played Ruth Eckert Hall and I was there along with 2,000 other people exactly my age <laughs> but Ruth Eckert Hall booked it as like a night of um Old time rock and roll. So on top of the monkeys, they had like, was it Gary Pluckett and the Union Gap uh, Band and Paul Revere and the Raiders? So all these legends get up there to, to to open for the monkeys, and nobody knows who they are, and they're just this look of horror on the band's faces. They realize they're playing in front of, you know, an audience that's there that has no idea that that they they, they were so much bigger and so much more important than the monkeys in some regards, right? And. uh so finally, the monkeys come on. You know, Sanz uh, Nesmith, who didn't do right, he didn't do most of the reunion stuff, and they were really good. I mean, they they still sounded like the monkeys. They still they could play their instruments. By this time, they'd learned, and they played. They went through all the hits. It was a great night. They're looking a little like shrunken heads these days, though. Yeah, I was surprised. I saw an interview with Mike Nesmith, who's you know, I mean, these guys are in their seventies now, right? Close yeah, to I 70s. think so. Yeah, Mike Nesmith, anyway, and and then uh, the most interesting fact about Michael Nesmith. What's the famous one? His, like, was his mom invented whiteout? Oh, yeah. Somebody in his family invented Real? whiteout, yeah. so he's like, he didn't have to do anything. He's sitting on the whiteout fortune. <laughs> wow. Still, um, you think, though? Still? It's whiteout. Oh, you're right. This might be. Might have to <laughs> tour with the monkeys <laughs> yeah, again. Uh, he better start learning the, the, the whi- last train to Clarksdale. <laughs> <laughs> it's the <laughs> Shut up. Learn the lyrics, clown. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the monkeys got so popular on that reunion tour, though, that they um, TV formed a uh, spinoff of the monkeys. The new monkeys. The new monkeys. Does anybody remember that? No, barely. <laughs> they survived for one season. Uh, they were they were scheduled to um, to have uh, twenty two episodes. Only thirteen actually aired, and it was four. You know, new kids that they cast, and they just basically tried to recreate the same Man, magic, and it I didn't love work. That monkey show! I gotta get to all those monkeys episodes on DVD. Really, as a little kid, I would like mimic as they were like doing, you know, like sped up, like fast forward and stuff, and I would like jump off the couch and bonk my really? head in the thing. It, it was one of those shows that I, I I got excited every time it was on, and then I watched it for a minute. And I'm like. Eh, what else is on? No, yeah. it's great. Remember yeah. when uh, like Peter makes a deal with the devil and they have to trick the devil? <laughs> I, I almost wish I could go back and look at it now because I bet you I'd find a more entertaining Especially if you're drinking, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's yeah. your favorite monkey? Who's everyone's favorite monkey? Davey. I'm no, what? Yeah. Who are you, what are you, what are you a 12-year-old girl? <laughs> yeah, what are you, Marsha Brady? 
no, Mickey Dolan's Mickey one of the Dolan. greatest. Oh, Mickey, yeah, Mickey one of the great Dolan. TV comics of all time. And I got to interview him. No, yes, a few, it's big, bigger than Steve Perry. <laughs> it was I had, a few years ago. He was rolling through town. He was doing it like just Mickey Dolan's plays the monkeys, yeah. like a freebie show at Bush Gardens. And so I talked to him on the phone for like twenty minutes. And I, you know, we asked, but you know, he said, "Oh, yeah, I just play. The, you know, I play all the monkey hits. You know, I don't have any like Mickey Dolan's deep solo cuts." And I asked him, "I said, are you comfortable with people always calling you?" The funny monkey, because that's what he was. And he wrote, and he said to me, he goes, he goes, I don't think about labels much at all, because people forget the monkeys were not a group. It was a television show about an imaginary group, and I was an actor playing the part of the wacky drummer. Uh, if people say that I was very funny, well, that's the point. I worked at it. I took improv classes. It wasn't a coincidence. I'll tell you one thing, though, is that he was really funny. He was the funniest monkey, but I always liked his voice. Right? Pleasant Valley Sunday? I always liked Mickey Dolan's singing voice. Yeah, more so than Davies. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, David was one well, of the classic Peter Tork. <laughs> Name the Peter Tork song that he sings. Uh, he is, is he? He's, he's got a couple, but one is one. He's um, is it Shades of Grey? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Who does Stepping Stone? Is that Mickey? I think that Mickey I does love that. Pleasant Valley Sunday. That's good. A little bit me, a little bit you. You know that because they did a yeah, bunch of Neil yeah, Diamond songs too, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, he wrote a lot of their songs. Ding, the d- yeah, right. I love that right. One. So, I mean, do they? What sort of influence do they have over? Is there any influence left today on today's music from the Monkees, short of the idea that here's a fictional group that's been created for television? God, isn't isn't it all fictional? I mean, I, I'm not going to say the monkeys led to is it all monkeys reality now? television or like totally, you know. You know, I'll, I'll talk about sure, sure. Don- I, I don't know if this is a stretch or not, but look at what the Disney is Disney Channel is doing. Okay, the Disney Channel is what building you mean, with, like Molly Cyrus, and, and, yeah, the, and, and Selena Animal Gomez. Channel, yeah. So you're taking somebody who looks good on camera. Okay, who has Glee? A, who, by Glee. who has a bit of acting ability, exactly, and then you're turning them into all these other things. So you start with Selena Gomez. Here's a pretty kid. Um, she's a pretty good comedian. She can act a little. Can you sing? Uh, don't worry about it. We can screw with the knobs a bit. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. I think she's old enough. And, uh, <laughs> and we can make you sound good on album. So sure. Also, I'm not sure the monkeys began the Disney Channel and all these like... Uh, the you know uh, the, the the corporatizing of all these people, but um, yeah, sure, that's my that's my answer. <laughs> you know, what my answer is for everything. The, the Seggies. You know, it's been so long since I've heard the uh, re- mystical refrain for Reader Mail back. I don't even recognize it anymore. That's sad. It is really? sad, but we finally got some good emails Hooray! this week. And I picked one. Sean, do the honor. Yes, indeed. Um, this is from your fr- fan in Montana, Andrew. We could have Andrew come in and do Montana in the 80s. In and out. <laughs> Seven-minute show with Seggies. Uh, Stephen, Sean, I just wanted to take a moment to thank both of you as well as your occasional and periodic special guests like Tom Jones. Hey! Total cool. Oh my God. God, they're so smart in Montana. They really are. For an amazing trip through time, I can't remember how I came across your podcast, but I did so in October and have been doing my best to work my way through them ever since. It kept me company on my eight hour Thanksgiving road trip. I love that. Well, anywhere in Montana, eight hours. (laughs) (laughs) To go to 7 Eleven. I'll be back with the Slurpees. (laughs) Um. 
Uh, I've listened to it while goofing around at home after work. I've even managed to listen to a few of them while at work. Uh, while I've heard many of the stories multiple times due to the condensed time frame I'm listening to these in, they never cease to make me laugh. In fact, there were a few times on my drive where I almost had to pull over to the side of the road because I had tears of joy threatening to cut loose. I love to hear that, too, when we cause almost uh, vehicular um, horrors. For the record, Spearsy, you weren't wrong to have a crush on Christy McNichol during the 80s. She was a cute little pixie. Ha! I'm sure that Sean has an equally embarrassing crush that he hasn't completely shared yet. Maybe Meredith Baxter or Jodie Foster. I'll tell you what, I love Jodie Foster in the, in the first Freaky Friday. But I also kind of had a crush on her mom, Barbara Harris, I believe. Yes. I'll continue. I mean, we already know about his fascination with Boy George from the Culture Club videos. Uh, Andrew's referring to the time where I... <laughs> how should I phrase this? I, I needed some uh, material from MTV to get me through... Uh, a moment, hard, a hard moment and, in your life. Uh, yeah, hard moment, and I almost pleasured myself to Boy George before I realized what I was doing. Uh, in all seriousness, though, I look forward to what uh, 2012 has to bring for the Stuck in the 80s crew. Please, I want more Jonesy. There you go. There you go. Smirk yeah, um, I'd write more, but it's time to make the donut. Sincerely, your fan in Montana, Andrew. Excellent. As always, send your emails to stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, we'll play a clip of a movie from the Asian if you can get it right. Uh, prizes? Not going to happen. Glory, podcast glory, yours forever. Yeah, immortalized. Pay attention. Here's a clip from last show. No! No, she has a strong one. She wants to live. Come on, ladies. Come on, baby. That's the abyss. Ed Harris. James Cameron. Remember that? God, was that 89? 1989. I always think of The Abyss as like more modern. Like 93. 90s like, or something. I oh. love The Abyss. I have like the eight disc Criterion collection on Dude, DVD. Is there really one? Yeah. I liked it. And it has all the... Um, it's the multiple expanded. endings. It's the like, endings yeah. are endless. Oh, no. Because they the aliens have this tidal wave. What got cut out of the original movie is the... Have you seen The Abyss? Who's the woman in that? Mary Elizabeth Mastriano? Yeah, Master Antonio. Oh, I think that's so romantic and like It is. Love you, wife. Yeah, love you. Oh, I sob in that. But the aliens basically have this monstrous tidal wave that's going to eliminate the Earth. And all of a sudden, they see a picture of Ed Harris and his wife. Loving, loving. I up. think it was and the, the photo of uh, his wife's uh, topless that changed their mind. <laughs> she topless in that? He has to, to tear her shirt off to. Uh, and you see her boobless? Yeah, to give her the old. You know when she was uh, when she drank. Clear. Oh <laughs> yeah. I'm sure was a more technical that. term for that. I gotta go track that down. <laughs> it's great. Um, winners this week include Joe Blanger in Texas, Brian Spoon, Calhoun, Jukebox Johnny. Dr. Jean-Marc Beauvais. Shazam from St. Louis. <laughs> the adorable. The corpulent. The hirsute. Leo the Lion Logan. Pay attention. <laughs> right out of words. I don't know what to say. Pay attention. Here's this show's mystery clip. Hey, Ridley. Yeah. You got any beamers? I might have me a stick. If you know it, email us at stuckinaise.tempe.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. The signature event here at Stuck in the 80s. Uh, Tommy, do you play uh, this game along at home with us? Do you like to listen to these oh, little yeah. 
Do you call him Tommy? Tommy. Yeah, yeah. What? You know what's weird? That's like, that's creepy. Uh, only a, I've never no, heard only anyone. a few people in the world call me Tommy, but they're all back home in Pennsylvania, where I grew up in Pittsburgh. But, and right. you can tell delightful stories about them in Pennsylvania in the eighties. <laughs> can we can we get away with just doing Pittsburgh in the eighties? I think we could. We could. No, that's not the way it works. It's states <laughs> in the eighties. If we if we if we if we if we grow it out to cities though. We could be doing this for decades. <laughs> oh, so that's the best news I've heard all day. The Little Rock in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. Here was the last show's mystical tune. That's Stand and Deliver by Adam Ant. Adam Ant, I am sorry to say, I just found out today, has canceled his U.S. tour that was set to start next month. For reasons of why? Insanity. Uh, Insanity. Reasons beyond, you know, their control. Usually when they're canceled, it's either one of two things. Either they're sick or they're not selling any tickets, right? Well, it could be. Um, they, he sold uh, Spearsy a couple of nice, fat, expensive tickets. They weren't that expensive. This, this actually bails you out because you're going to see him in Orlando. And then you bought those tickets. Then he added a Tampa date, and you were right. like, "Stupid Adam man, stupid Adam man." Yeah, I had, <laughs> I had like fourth row seats to see him in Orlando, but um, the the album release date has been pushed back. It's probably a bunch of record company shenanigans. You know, I, I went in doubt blending record companies. <laughs> um, so he they're supposed to be a fall tour now. So we'll see. Adam man, guy, Sean. I always got one hit. What? See, that's how I got serious. Oh, we had a few winners this week. They include Christian Sheboygan, Seychelle from Canada, Sweet Lou Greeley, Crash from Long Beach, Dr. Dim, and by far my favorite podcast listener. I cried when I took down the Christmas card from him that was hanging on my wall. True story. The lovely, the talented Kevin Wench. Did you get a Christmas card from I Kevin did. Wench? I didn't take mine down yet, though. It's kind of cold of you to have already done so. You never put it up, I it's bet. It's right there, right front and center. I'll show it to you when you get back to my desk. Slap your face. Oh, God, you're supposed to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kevin Wench. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystical tune. If you know it, email us at stuckinaysatempe.com and to the next week to find out if you're a wiener. It's a light, a night, it's doing it right. It's a hit, it's a coke, coke is it. A taste that's true, it is me, it is you. A slam, a shout, it's a new way to see. It'll shake up the world, it's the way it should be. It's just how you feel when you know it's for real.
at me like that for? Like you like with disdain and like I disappointed you. Yeah, hey, we were late on. getting started. No, today. if there was a cartoon bubble above your head, it'd be like, wow, Sean wasn't very good this podcast. This one. <laughs> How many of these shows would you like to do a month, Jonesy? You know what? Honestly, they're, no, honestly, seriously, they're, seriously, they're, no, they're great. They're great, especially for somebody who grew up in the '80s. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd love. You I'd don't want to commit to anything. I don't want to commit. No, no, because some days you make me mad, like like today when we're showing up late. But no, otherwise. Oh my god! <laughs> it was a business meeting. It was not a business meeting. I'm not going to get into it. I was innocent. Monk, free- monkey business. Uh. <laughs> free Sean Daly. Anyway, Jonesy, we love you. Shake my hand. Thank you, Sean. All right, there we go. I only mildly like Steve Spears. Yeah. But again, another one in the books. Will you be back? Promise us you'll be back for the the, the final installment of the Rock Dinosaurs. Yeah, well, <laughs> that'll yeah, be about those... seventeen shows from yeah. now. We got a few more to do. Well, well, I'll be. I really will be sixty-four years old. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, and, 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 and a Pittsburgh. I want to do the Pittsburgh. I think we could do a Pittsburgh in the eighties. For you, we'll do it. All right. Can we, can we get rocket. can we get the Primani brother sandwiches to eat <gasps> while we do it? Primani oh, brother sandwiches and Iron City God. beer. And I'm serious. And we'll bring in Daryl Hannah, Leah Thompson. <laughs> we'll bring them all in. Awesome. In the meantime, Sean Daly, Tom Jones, and myself, along with a stack of Primani Brothers sandwiches, remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. Read our blog at TampaBay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. Wow, you stuck your landing on that finish.